can you tell I'm stalling? Can you tell that I'm like trying to like not talk about this case? Because it's so I'm heavy. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Well, before I jump into it quickly, before I forget, but I'm just going to say welcome back, everybody, to Creep Time, the podcast. We've got Silas here. We've got Stu here. Woo. We're back for another episode. This is episode 40. Oh, my God. That's wild 40 to me. Episodes. I cannot believe it's been 40 episodes. In the back of my something in the back of my mind goes, I can, honey. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, honestly, it's kind of miraculous that we're like able to do this together across. I mean, we're on different coasts. Like, I know. I actually listening back to it sometimes. I don't even think it doesn't register to me when I listen to it that it's really a phone call. I don't think people realize that because it kind of it just gives the impression that we're in the same room. I don't know I the know. way the conversation flows. Well, I just feel so connected to you. I'll do <laughs> I feel like we are in the same room honestly sometimes. It just reminds me of like days that we would just sit and talk. Like I feel like talk late at night, like when you came to visit me. Genuinely back, nothing like, has ago. changed. Yeah, there's just like there's a mic in front of us now. That's yeah. the only thing that's changed. I know. And I have it's... the most horrific research known to man in my eyeline. <laughs> that's the only thing that's changed. <laughs> oh, I have the giggles. Oh my God. It's such a, it's like such a joy for me. Honestly, the me fact too. that I'm sitting at work and I'm like, I cannot wait to go home and have Silas throw me on my ass. so I can forget about my like awful day. <laughs> it's you just so get fun. jostled up. You get jostled. I, I mean, this I is going to be jostled. one for the books. I'm not going to oh lie. God. This is going to be a hefty story, but we're going to get into it and we're going to get into it fast. Um, thank you again, everybody, for all of the support. We're so, so grateful. And you reminded me, Stu, that, well, you said this yesterday. You're like, I can't believe we're like in the window of our one year mark of doing this. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, we're like months off from that. And then I was like, because we started like in June of last year. And yeah. as I said that in real time, I realized I'm like, it's June. A year we've been doing this it's so wild like thank you creeper so much for the day ones that have been here the people that are just now listening like it's so cool that you have continued to come back and listen to us for a year a year yeah from <laughs> yeah. the lady of the dunes to this case is ellen let me get the last name halbert and mm. boy oh boy is it a case for you so Let's just start with this. Like I said, I want you to prepare yourself for the ride that I'm about to take you on okay. <laughs> because I've heard I heard this story a while ago. It is a survival story. I'll start with that. But even so, it is one of the most gut-wrenching that I have ever researched personally, and I've, I've read a lot. Um, it centralizes around Ellen Halbert, who is an astounding woman who tells the story in her own words and like what she endured, what she went through what she did and how the story really unfolds. I think in my mind, in my opinion is genuinely the worst nightmare of every person who listens to true crime. It's my worst nightmare. (laughs) Like as I was reading it, I was like, this checks off every single box of what I, of what I fear. It it is, it's a case with like unmatched horror. There's violence. I'm going to give a warning. There is some pretty brutal sexual assault, so I'll put that warning out there before I get into it, but I'm not going to give a top line, Stu. I'm not going to give you anything. I'm going to dive straight into the story. Um, and like I said, she is a Southern lady, so I felt especially connected to this. <laughs> as one yourself. As, as, <laughs> well, I am so, strapped in. Strap in and let's let's go on the ride. So I'm okay. going to take you back in time from the very, very beginning with this. Let's see. So we're going to jump back to September 1986, and we are right in Austin, Texas. Fun city when we were there, if you remember. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, too much fun. I got lost. (laughs) I drifted away from the group. So we're going to meet Ellen Halbert. She is a mother, and she's a wife. And she's living in this, like, I guess, I mean, like, we only do, like, the party side of Austin, really. But she's living in, like, the hills of Austin, which I didn't know they had hills. But it's a very affluent area. Like, it's very safe, really community-driven, like, beautiful suburban homes. And she remembers this day. And in her words, it was supposed to be a busy day. So she got up, and she's all alone in the house. Like, her son is already at school. The husband is gone at this point. He's he's out for the morning. And she kind of starts her day, and she's reading the newspaper. Like, it's very casual. 
very relaxed. She has a cup of coffee. So when she finishes that, she gets it from the kitchen table and she's like, okay, like I better, I better head upstairs and get in the shower and start this day. So she goes up to her bedroom and she heads into the shower and she takes an extra long shower. She spends more time in there than she normally does because it's a hair wash day. We all have those days. And you know, <laughs> it's so funny you say that because when you said Austin, Texas, immediately in my head, I heard the higher the hair, the closer to God. <laughs> <laughs> the hair, the closer to God. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're in Texas. I'm in the mode. <laughs> so she's on hair day. <laughs> she's on hair days. She's washing her hair. She's doing the full kit and caboodle right in that shower. <laughs> And then finally, she hops out and she wraps herself in a towel. She's going to head to her closet so she can grab a robe because she's going to get dressed, you know, blow dry her hair. But while she's walking, she stops and she freezes in the bathroom. Because in the corner of her eye, she sees the silhouette of a tall, thin man standing in her bathroom stew. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she describe. Okay, so she describes this. It is actually and genuinely my worst fear, like I said. She, like, talks about this moment in such an interesting way because she's actually paralyzed with fear. It's that point where your brain has difficulty processing and understanding what's actually in front of you. So in the corner, she sees that tall, thin man. He is dressed head to toe in a ninja suit. And he's just staring at her in her bathroom. And she could not believe what she was seeing. I'm going to pause right there because I just want to hear your initial reaction to that because that is something, that is some shit. I'm sorry. But, well, okay, my my stomach, I think I must have the same fear as you because I have definitely imagined that before, like in your bathroom especially. I think that's kind of like a classic trope of like horror or true crime, like getting out of the shower and like there's somebody there or yes, like somebody's behind yes. the curtain. Um, And that's so scary to think about like you're in a really vulnerable state already like you're coming out of the yeah. shower oh you're my God. nude and the thing is like he's not faltering he's just standing there and she's staring back at him he's only a few feet from her and she just couldn't move and he's got this completely black outfit on he has a black mask black gloves he's holding black ties and all she can see is like the skin of his eyes like right around his eyes and his eyes darting towards her and he's not just standing in the corner is the thing. He actually has his right arm fully extended in the air because he's holding a massive meat cleaver. I would black out. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not fight or flight. I, I, I would disintegrate a meat cleaver in a fully black suit in my bathroom. That's a horror movie. Like, that's insane. That's the moment where you shut the curtain and you're like, I'm having a moment and then you reopen it and nothing's there because yeah. you thought you were having a moment and then someone's still actually there. Like that is the scariest thing to think about, especially like in the morning when you're just about to start your day, not, not really having those kinds of thoughts yet normally. It's crazy you say that because that's literally what she thought she like after. So it's funny because like the way she describes how her brain worked, she at first was like, so she's seeing this image. She's trying to process what she's seeing and it was so terrifying that she actually thought it was a joke. Like, she thought she was being pranked. So she starts laughing uncontrollably, this woman. It's almost like in the back of her mind, she knows she's like, this is way too far for any joke. Like, realistically, like, it's too extreme. It's too real. But that's the easier option for her brain to choose as opposed mm -hmm. to being like, this is a very extreme danger that's in front of me. Like, but she knows it's too far. Like, she's nude in her private bathroom. There's a man there. So that's when her brain shifts and it actually tricks her. And it's like, no, 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 this isn't a joke. That's real. Or maybe it's not real. Maybe it's fake. So she's laughing and then she starts thinking, oh, this is a hallucination. I'm dreaming. Like her cognition is out the window. It's gone. Like she's not there. She's not even in touch with reality. This is what she described, like experiencing in real time. And then she snaps out of it to the shriek of this guy screaming at her. And he's like, get on the floor, get on the floor. And he grabs her. Starts wrestling her down to the floor. So at this point, she, like, snaps into her body and, like, the fight or flight is kicking in. She's going to fight. So her instinct is just to, like, resist and start fighting back. And he's got the meat cleaver in his right hand and he's pushing her with his left. And they're kind of wrestling, like, from the bathroom out to the bedroom. So then he pulls back his left hand and he backhands her across the face. And she gets knocked down to the floor. 
So then, like, she describes, like, just getting back up on instinct. Like, she doesn't even think about it for a second and starts fighting back again. I'm going to repeat one more time. The guy has a meat cleaver. <laughs> that, like... I had already forgotten about that detail when you started talking about the, the um, fighting. The fight, like, the, like, altercation, yeah. I, when you just said that, I was like, okay, I'm, like, I'm already feeling like the Tika Adams episode where I'm on the roller coaster. And you said that, and I did a whole loop-de-loop. Like, I fully forgot about that detail. It's too much to process because it's a horror movie. Like, it seems like something I would see out of a movie. But then, so once she, like, got back down and then she got back up, he takes his hand back again, backhands her again, and knocks her down to the floor. And in her literal words, she said in her head, she's replaying, I'm not going to stay on that floor. Mm -hmm. I am not going to stay on that floor. It was mostly because it wasn't refinished yet. But I'm kidding. I'm just joking. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I did it (laughs) too. It's because the carpeting was outdated. (laughs) So she gets back up and then she backs herself actually to the edge of the bed. And she describes that this is when her body, I think, started to go into a bit of shock because, again, she's completely nude when all of this is happening. And, like, the fight has left her body. So the only defense she can think of for herself is to, like, ball herself up on the bed. So she tucks her legs, like, into her chest, just trying to, like, curl in and hide herself. But her feet are hanging off the edge of the bed. He takes the meat cleaver and slices across her feet. No, no, no. And then he leans in and he goes, I just want you to know that my knives are a lot sharper than your knives. Reaction to that, please. Thoughts on this thus far? (laughs) That feels like a metaphor for something else, too. Like, it just feels so loaded. I'm like... It's, it feels I'm, written. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This. I mean, this feels like, again, kind of like Tika Adams. It feels very much like I'm in a movie right now. Like I'm watching a movie, even though I'm just visualizing it in my head. Same. That is, As I was reading it, same thing. Also, to be cut on like the soles of her feet. I think it was the top of her feet near the bone. Okay. Oh I mean, God. that is so... I actually kind of have a fear of being sliced like in strange so parts horrific. of my body. And I can't... Like when you said that, I I like had a phantom pain a little bit. Like I was just like, I, oh, no. I cannot envision or I cannot imagine what that felt like. That's making me nervous for the rest of this because this is about to take you really far. Okay. <laughs> so I, I need you to, I need you to safeguard yourself. Okay. okay. Knowing that definitely safeguard yourself. Same with you okay. creepers. Yeah. So let's get back in. Let's see. He then slices across the feet. Like I said, basically it kind of sounds like a warning to me. The way he, you know, from what he said, he grabs her and she's completely in shock at this point. Like her body is basically paralyzed and she's not fighting back at all. He throws her flat on the bed, ties her hands behind her back so that her chest and her stomach are completely exposed, full nude. And then he tapes her ankles together so she can't run. She can't move her legs at all. Mm -hmm. He then basically starts, he's yelling at her because he's still got the mask on. He goes, keep your head down and look at your knees. Don't raise your eyes to me. Or move until I tell you you can move. He takes off the mask and he folds it. He kind of like ties it around her face so she can't see anything. She's totally blind. So after she's blinded, tied up, he leans in again and he goes, you know what? It's a shame you can't see me because I'm half black and half white. And I'm a very, very handsome man. Okay, does that kind of read as like the Night Stalker to you? Because that's what I was thinking of when I heard it. It's like a a weird mix of like a monster and a narcissist. Yeah, absolutely. Total psychopath. Like psycho. It's it's yeah. It sounds like American Psycho to me. Like it's so totally yes. That's even that's even better. Yeah, and I know that we're gonna get into it because you teed it up, but like it feels very like sadistically sexually charged, which is just like so scary to think about in that moment. Like. And it's also not to take us off on a tangent or anything, but I think oftentimes that kind of gets like glorified in cinema and like there's like something about it that's inherently interesting because of the sex component. But can you imagine Mm -hmm. being in that actual moment and having to realize like that might be a reality that is absolutely like one like you're saying i mean it's just the nightmare that i cannot imagine as a woman ever having to oh, oh go through. I, I mean 
It's so interesting hearing interviews with her, like the fortitude of this woman's mind. I don't know how somebody can live through everything that's going to happen here and the way that she's able to talk about it to this day. But I think Mm -hmm. that the reason it gets depicted a lot in television and movies, it is like the sadistic sexual component. But I think it's a lot of like, this is the worst case scenario. This is, this is the nightmare. This is, and it's almost like you want to look at it. In, in some strange way is like a survival instinct. You're like, if yeah. I can see it, I can like prep myself kind yeah. of thing. But in my mind, I was like, it does not get worse than this. Like this is, this is the worst it can get. So don't forget, she's blind at this point. And then once she's blind, it's interesting because like her senses become really heightened, but she can't see anything. So her hearing is like booming through the room. She can hear him and he's like pacing all around the bedroom. He's like running back and forth kind of. And it's like he's trying to, like, he's freaking out, but he's, like, planning his next move in real time kind of thing. And he's, like, rattling off all these questions. He's like, how much money do you have? Like, how much do you have in the bank? He goes, look at this home. You got this big, beautiful home. You got to have a lot of money. Like, how much can you get? Like, he's working through what he wants to do, but he's very frantic. Like, he didn't think this far ahead kind of thing. So she, I mean, she's doing everything Right. Like she's doing everything that she can think of. She's rattling off all these things. She's like, take my whole purse, like take the cash. You can take my credit cards. I'll I'll drive you to the bank. Like I'll drive to the bank. I can withdraw all the money. I'll drain my account. I won't tell anybody. You'll never even know you were here. Like anything she can think of to like give something to him and get him out of there. But she's also trying to keep him calm because he, she can tell that he's like fragile if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like he's a loose cannon and he could go from zero to 60 at any second and he could get really violent so she's trying to keep him calm so while she's rattling off all these like solutions he's talking over her because he never stops and he just keeps saying you're gonna have a bad bad accident lady a bad accident like (sighs) so then he starts to tell her a little bit about who he is and like how he even got there it's strange that he starts to like feed into giving her context he says that he's a drifter and he's been out on the road for two months And that he knows this family because he's been living in their attic for two days. And he's heard everything going on in that house. When I heard that, I felt so sick. Because that's, I was like, this is my worst nightmare. And then I heard that he had been stalking them by living in the attic, like sticking around in the house. And I was like, no, 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 that's my worst nightmare. Someone who's living in my home and then sneaks down to kill me coming out of the shower. My eyes are actually like full of water right now. That is so (laughs) like it's terrifying to the point where you're like in tears. Mm -hmm. Please tell me this woman. So she was home alone and did not have like children in the house. Her son was at school. Her husband was golfing. (gasps) Okay. Oh, my God. And he knew that. So that's what he says to her. He's like, I mean, it was all true because he starts to go off and he's like rattling off all these things that only someone who was in the home for the last couple of days would know. He's like, I heard everything. I heard what you said to your husband, you bitch. And he's like, and I know that your husband's going to be gone all morning. I know he's golfing and your son's not coming home till three. Like he knew everything and she's breaking down. She's sobbing at this point. She is begging him. She's like, please, like, just leave me alone. Like, just don't hurt me. Take everything, take anything you want. And it's almost like the more, you can tell he's sadistic because the more she's trying to persuade him to you know get off of her and like leave her alone and go away it's egging him on Mm -hmm. for what he's going to do next he's going to rape her and he tells her that and he tells her that no one is going to catch him and that it doesn't matter what he does to her mind you while he's telling her this he has the meat cleaver pressed up against her neck so then he uses the meat cleaver and he rips through the tape on her ankles And she immediately, her instinct is to like, get up, get out of the bed, get out of the bed, just get yourself to standing so you're not laying down, so you're not in a vulnerable position. She doesn't even think about it. It's her instinct. Mm -hmm. So he pushes her back on the bed and starts yelling at her. He goes, get back, get back on the bed. So she starts using her legs because her arms are still tied and she's still blindfolded to like push herself back as far as she can until her head hits the back of the, um, the headboard from her story. He then sexually assaulted her. She was raped in that bed all while he was telling her he's how much he enjoyed it. The horror of this story, I, I genuinely feel, cannot be underplayed. Like, this is horrific beyond comprehension, what this woman went oh through. And it, it somehow gets worse, Stu. It gets worse. 
Did you hear that? Yeah. Was that in my apartment? Sorry, I needed something to break the tension. I think it was, in, I think it was in your apartment. I don't know what that could have been. I have no, because I've never heard that sound in my apartment either. It's a carbon monoxide alarm. I'm just slowly dying on this podcast. <laughs> it was actually like something giving us a moment <laughs> to breathe. <Yeah. laughs> it was, it um, was a sign. It was like, take a breath, guys. Yeah. Do you know what's... Um, the uh, not to reference this to again like cinema mm-hmm. or something that's non uh, that's fiction, but it reminds me of I don't know if you've ever seen Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, but there's a really graphic scene kind of no. like this, and it was one of those scenes where you're just like you, you kind of have to close your eyes as a woman because you're mm-hmm. like this is my worst nightmare like this I cannot imagine this you can't happening. See it. Yeah. And it's such a real movie. Like, that's not really the... It's a very brief scene, um, but it just, like, gives some context to the character. And, I mean, this is just... I have chills all up and down my body right now because I'm just, like, as a woman, it's, like, your worst nightmare for sure. I can't believe she survived it. I, I truly can't believe she can talk about it in the way that she does today and talk about it with such clarity and talk about it with... I don't, I don't know, just like the way that she th- recounts this experience and the way that she tells the story in a way that kind of constantly puts herself in a position where she was empowered to like keep going no matter mm-hmm. what he was going to do to her is incredible. She really is an incredible person. And I, I believe she's still alive today because I don't know how old she was when this happened, but I think she was young. I think she might have been in her 20s or 30s, but it's not mm-hmm. clear. So... He's done. He finishes with her. And then she's still tied on the bed. She's still got the blindfold on. Hands are still behind the back. So once he's done, this has been going on for an hour, by the way. He ties her ankles up again. And then he leaves her on the bed. He goes to take a shower. That's really disturbing to me because it's almost like he's fully aware of the monstrous thing he just did. It's like the the shower to me is like a sick psychological trick of almost of somebody who's like trying to cleanse themselves of like absolve themselves from what they just did like if i wash it off it didn't really happen i didn't really do that it's so dark so dark so her while he's in the shower her mind is on fire right so she's like oh my god what what can i do how can i escape can i get out of here like i'm completely tied up and she knows she's on the second story in the bedroom like she can't she's like if i get out of this bed all i can do is hop and if he hears me, he's going to kill me instantly. Like, I, I don't even know where I'm going. Am I supposed to get to the stairs and then, like, hop down the stairs blind? So she stays in the bed. It's her only option. So he comes out of the shower, and he puts the black suit back on. And then he cuts her hands free. And then he rips off the mask, and he has, has her keep her head down. So she's not blinded anymore. And she looks down, and he's holding a check that he made out for $600. All of this for $600. This absolute evil for $600. And he tells, he goes, sign it and make it out to my name. And he tells her his name, Troy Eugene Wigley. So she realizes, I'm going to get choked up. (laughs) She realizes in that moment, that is his real name. It's a very specific name. And if he's telling me his real name, he's going to kill me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like something clicks for her. And she's not even looking at him because the instruction was, like I said, to keep your head down. But she does what she's told. And he he makes her sign the check. And then he ties her hands back up, puts her back on the bed. And then he has her get up. And he he instructs her to go hop. He goes hop to the bathroom. And then get on the floor. Kind of shoves her down by the shoulder. And he says, put your head on the floor. So she's in fetal position. She's got her full cheek pressed into the water on the bathroom floor. And she's not even thinking about, like, what's going to happen next? What am I going to do? She's just following orders. When suddenly she feels the indescribable blow to the side of her head. She had no idea what was happening. But she's conscious for all of this. And then she felt this, like, really sharp pain. And she realized that he took a knife and starts stabbing into her breast while she's on the floor. Then sits her back up, upright. And then again, another massive blow to the side of her head. Still conscious, hits the ground, and she realizes at this point, because she looks over at his his hand, 
he had just smashed her in the head twice with a hammer. He then takes the knife and turns her behind, stabs her twice in the back of the neck, still completely awake, feels all of this, totally conscious, cognizant of everything. It's, it's just the most insane thing I've ever heard. And then he takes that knife, and what she feels is him repeatedly stabbing into her head. Like he's trying to stab through her skull, into her head as hard as he can. But what she can feel is that the knife isn't going through. It's just stabbing it's just stabbing at her head like it's too hard. So then he takes the hammer and starts hammering the knife into her skull <gasps> before it gets into her head, still conscious. Should we, I mean, uh, we, we should pause for a second, just recap all of that, because this is the part where I think it gets really, really, <sighs> basically what happens is after the knife gets into her head, he's like trying to get it out and he can't get it out because it's lodged into her brain. He then puts his foot on her face and starts trying to shake the knife out of her head. She remembers this, like him just like thrashing her head around. When I heard that, I almost blacked out. I, I, I almost I'm, blacked I'm out. I'm feeling that right now. I'm, I am so sick over one, there being a human that, has the capacity to do all of that I know. but two that this person again did this for six hundred dollars like $600. this is truly like somebody that i i am i don't know if we will go into it but like and i almost don't even want to know because i don't want to like generalize at all but like to be this deranged i want to know where they come from and what happened to them like this is so the the not only I mean it's not like even like the punishment doesn't fit the crime. I mean it's like truly mm-hmm. like animalistic. Like it's it insane. Is. It's impossible. I know what you mean though. As I was reading it and as I heard this for the first time, first time I was like this is impossible for me to understand how someone has the capacity to do this and like do it in like an hour to somebody just like seemingly without thought. It almost like I said it seemed from the get-go Like, he was planning this in real time. Like, he had weapons with him, but wasn't really sure, like, from the get-go, like, am I going to kill her? Is she going to live? Like, what am I going to do to her? It's it's like he's seizing an opportunity in a strange way, but this is the point where we're left. Like, she has been stabbed through the brain and was aware of it, and he yanked a knife back out of her brain. And at this point, this is when her memory gets kind of fuzzy because she has a lot of blood that's leaving her body, as you could imagine. I mean... I think it's incredible to think that she was even still alive. Um, But she kind of fades in and out of consciousness at this point. So she knows a few minutes, like, past of her being unconscious. And then she's on the ground still. Like, she kind of, like, comes to, and she's, like, not hearing anything. So she, like, looks around and, like, lifts her head up from the bathroom and looks back towards the bedroom where the light is coming in from the window. And she sees him. And he's, like, frantically packing things up and, like, taking things from the bedroom and he's, it's the first time he's out of his outfit. It's like the first time she actually sees him, right? And he sees her looking at him. So he shouts. He goes, put your head back on the ground now. He goes, he grabs that hammer, Stu. He comes back and smashes her in the skull again. At this point, it's incredible to think, but she is still conscious. She's not knocked out. She's awake, but she knows enough now. She's like, play dead. Just Keep your eyes closed. Don't move. Play. I mean, we've all had that experience where we like envision what we would do in the scenario of like playing dead. But it's never, of course, it's never that simple because you have adrenaline running through your body. But then it gets worse because she, while she's coherent and she's on the ground, like, don't move. If you move one more time, he's going to kill you, kill you for real. Like you can't take another blow to the head. He comes back and he grabs her hand, which is just like dangling, like, like dead fish. He's frantically like tugging at her fingers and she realizes he's trying to get her wedding ring off but it's stuck on her hand and she remembers thinking while she's there playing dead oh my god oh my god he's going to cut off my fingers yeah she's gonna cut and she and she goes god please help me god help me and in her words god did because luckily that ring somehow slipped off and he left the bathroom but then she talks it's really interesting because she talks about this experience which is so hard, I think, for anyone to understand, for me to understand, this contemplation of when to move. Like, she didn't hear him. He wasn't anywhere near. 
But the longer that she could sit there and she could like play dead and not move, the safer it would be for her. Mm-hmm. But she's also aware that like you can't like she can't stay on that bathroom floor forever. She's losing blood. Her body is freezing. And she knew she would get to a point where she would either have to risk getting up and him seeing her or she was going to die on the floor. But if he's sitting there, like if he's in the bedroom, just sitting on the bed, like watching to see if she moves or he's like somewhere nearby, one more hit to the head. She's gone. Yeah. That must have been such a hard decision. Like, how would you even, how would you know when to risk it? You know? Also, the idea of like negotiating this with yourself, with your brain being severely damaged at this point, like losing blood, like to to be able to hang on like this to even rationalize what you're going to do next is just incredible i mean it's almost like inhuman i'm amazed by her the the strength it truly is like it's it's unnatural strength and fortitude to like get through this but it's kind of like what you always talk about where it's like your gut knows and she said that's what she experienced she was like i was contemplating this like do i move do i risk it or do i lie here for as long as possible until i hear someone come home or something happens and her gut told her like her stomach was like it's time like you you have to get up now or it's over. Wow. Yeah. So in this moment she was like, "Okay, I have to try to get up. I have to try to move." And she realized she can't stand. She can't move. Like her lower half of her body, but what she can do because the floor is like covered in blood. It's so slick. She can slither from the bathroom floor to the bedroom. But to make it even worse, because she gets to the bedroom and he's not there, there's no phone in the bedroom. So she has to get out to the hallway and get to the top of the stairs and go down the staircase. And that's what she does. She gets to the stairs and she slides her body down in her own blood, makes it to the bottom, gets to a phone on the table. And I don't know, this is the part, this is the part that really threw me because she, it's not sure why. I'm not sure why she did this, but she decides not to call 911, but she calls her parents instead, which is, it's so sad to think about because it's almost like she knew in either scenario, like help will come regardless of whether I call my parents first Mm -hmm. or I call 911 first, but this could be the last time I talk to them because she can feel herself dying. She's dying. And of course, like, I mean, they rush there and the ambulance is on the way. And this is the part where I lost it while reading this research again Because she says, like, after she ended the call with her parents or hung up or just left the phone out, she doesn't really remember much of what happened for a little bit until she heard her father break through the front door of her home. And the sound that he made, the shriek and the scream of horror when he saw his daughter on the floor. It's so bad. It's... I gotta take a sip. I know. I'm, like, trying not to get him emotional right now because i fully empathize with her that i i swear to god i feel like i might call my dad or my mom if that was where i was thinking i'm gonna die in the next probably you know 10 minutes or so i might as well call my mom my dad and tell them how much i love them like i just i fully yeah and and for her to but also as painful as i'm sure that was for her dad to see how relieved she must have been when she heard that shriek and cry like somebody's here my dad's here i mean it's like the the duality of that moment of just like pure pain and terror and she's probably relieved beyond anything that we could ever you know imagine oh my god you can't imagine it's so it's so unimaginable but i i know what you mean though like the decision to call her parents it's unclear although she seemed very clear through this you know what i mean yeah she was starting to fade out of consciousness but her decision making seemed deliberate she hears that shriek and she's like it's like nothing i've ever heard from my father before and then she kind of falls like in and out of it and she remembers hearing like ems like personnel coming in and they were like asking her questions they're trying to keep her alert and then she gets into the ambulance and at this point she's really really fading out of consciousness but she is aware oddly of her surroundings she can hear everything but she can't see she's like kind of blind horrible timing but i don't know if you can hear that damn ice cream truck (laughs) 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 rotten that was rotten (laughs) 
Maybe that was another <laughs> well, sign I needed. Victor- kind of victorious. <clears throat> I guess we can imagine it as a... It really... I mean, yeah, that's true. That's a positive yeah. way to spin it. It's victorious because <laughs> the next part that this leads into is that she's in that ambulance. And as they're riding and she can't see anything, she can't speak, she hears them talking about her. And they're talking to each other. They're like, this lady's not going to make it. There's way too much damage. She's not going to make it. And she remembers thinking in that moment to herself, oh, you bet I'm going to make it. That yeah, man is yeah. not going to take my life. And she knew. She said in that moment she was 100% sure she was going to survive it without a doubt. She said, I am going to get through this. So she's rushed to the hospital. They get her there in time. And they found stab wounds all over her head, on her chest, like through her breast, her back, her neck. She needed like over 600 stitches just to stop the bleeding. Stu, miraculously, no severe internal damage, even to her brain. It's like by the grace of God, not even her brain was affected by this. That is so lucky. Like all I kept thinking when you said he um, like jammed the knife into her head, I was like, I hope to God God. he didn't hit like her, you know, the spinal cord and the you know, like yeah, I was something thinking, that like, like paralyzed her yeah i was just that and or like a part of her brain where she's gonna be veg- vegetable uh, affected yeah yeah it's it, it really is i mean it's so miraculous what the human body can withstand and how she was able to get through this but i i mean for the damage that's described in the story for what he did to her with that knife he clearly inte- like had no intention of doing anything but mutilating this woman yeah yeah i cannot believe one that she survived but that she was so conscious alert and coherent through the majority of this at no point was she really like unconscious i guess maybe for like maybe two blips of this until she gets rushed to surgery it's like the second she was in safe hands was the moment she was like i can let go yeah i can let go yeah the next thing she remembered, she just like woke up in the hospital bed and her family was sitting by her side and she just had this overwhelming wash of gratitude that she could see them again, that she could talk to them. She lived to tell this story. This is in her own words. Just thoughts on that before I get into the bastard who did this. Oh my God. I wish that, that is see some how hard shit. I'm gripping the mic right now. I'm literally clutching it as if my life is like dependent on it. I am. Oh, I just, I, I, I have no words. Like I am so incredibly like moved and baffled by how much, like you said, humans can withstand. Like the fact that that woman took blow after blow after blow also after the psychological warfare that he was throwing on her for the first like 30 minutes of all that um is just wow i mean that's insane i know i i really had a i just had a difficult time it's strange to like like i said listen to hear listen to her tell this story because she tells it with such conviction and such composure that it almost sounds like someone who didn't it sounds like a retelling of the story from somebody else like i i look at her in this interview i'm like i can't believe that happened to you and you're sitting in a chair on camera i can't believe that it's incredible but i do want to tell you i don't know very much about this guy troy wigley Um, But I do want to go over what I do know because I don't have much on his backstory. All we know is that he actually was a drifter. He was basically like a homeless teen. That's the other thing, too. He's exceptionally young. So Troy, that was his real name. He's 18 and (gasps) just turned 18. And he did all this. Oh, my God. And he's so horrifically stupid, this kid, that he did. That was his real name. Troy and he took the check and of course he thought that oh yeah I can do this and leave this lady like this and I can just go cash this check and it's not going to catch up to me or anything is going to be a problem because he got caught almost immediately like right at the bank as soon as he tried to cash the check they were like why would you be cashing a check for this lady like (laughs) who are you to her and then gets arrested shockingly and this is going to this is going to kill you once this goes to court such a deep and disgusting mishandling of the system 
If Nancy hasn't touched this case, she should touch it now because she would blast it to hell. He is charged with aggravated robbery. He gets sentenced to life in prison, but it's aggravated robbery that they get him on. Never mind the stalking, the home invasion, or or the, the rape, the the most or grisly attempted, attempted like, murder, murder I've yeah. ever heard in my life. Like you would think they're like, I, I know some dumbass attorney would be like, well, how can we you know prove intent? I'm like. When you hammer a knife into somebody's skull, you're not doing it for shits and giggles. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, you're trying to kill. But I, that's the crazy part about it is with the aggravated robbery charge and life in prison, I don't actually know because I couldn't find any info on this. If he's going to be up to appeal this, like get parole, because he was 18 when this happened in 1986. So he's probably still alive and in the system. I have no idea. Could you imagine if this guy got out? I cannot imagine, and all I would hope to God is that he's had some severe, like, therapy and reflection and that he was – I mean, I don't know if we're going to go into it, but I hope to God he came from some background where there's some semblance of an explanation for this because – I have nothing. I'm sorry. I've got nothing on it. All I know is that he was essentially a homeless teen. So you can assume from the context clues he probably came from a rough upbringing – he, like, he probably had a dark story, but even so, people have dark stories, and they come from all kinds yeah. of backgrounds, and they they do not do this. This is specific right. to this person this and something very that was, psychologically screwed. Something was wrong with him. So, sadly, we don't know very much about what happened to him, or, like, what happened before, I guess. And, I like I said, I don't know if he could appeal this later on, or if he's, he's seen reform. It's It could even be possible he's tried to make amends although i don't think this is something you can you can make amends for i don't think that she would receive that nor would it be healthy for her to receive that i don't know but ellen herself this miracle genuinely and we've said miracle a lot i think with the tika adams case as well but it truly was miraculous she makes a full recovery from these horrific injuries and she actually became i mean she told this story and wrote books she became the director of Victims and Witness Division mm. at the DA's office in Austin, Texas. And in wow. her own words, I will end us with this. I survived because I wasn't ready to go. And cue the ice cream truck. Could you not, no, I'm bringing a celebrity because I think that's what she would want us to do in this moment. Because she snaps. would, she's oh, oh my god, what she's a such an incredible nature. person. Can yeah, I play you. I'll see if I can find a clip of her so I can play you just a little bit of what she sounds Please. like because I feel like yeah, that'll be you. I would you. love to, Whew. but that, that's everything I've got. Did that did that knock you on your ass, or is the ass gone? Is the ass gone? The ass is gone, and I'm gonna need you to take me to Lowe's so we can build me a new one. <laughs> because I now fully understand why you needed to go look at plywood for an hour. Yeah, well, I'm looking at like a chain link fence and why I'm picking up barbed wire yeah. at 9:30 p.m. Yeah. yeah. Oh my I actually, I had a tough time sleeping last night after this. Genuinely. I have a, I, yeah, I was going through like a really bad spat of paranoia. I had my doors locked for my bedroom, security systems on, but like, even so I just like could not shake what I read from this kid. Creepers, I'm sorry to put you through this, but I think it's a story that should be told. (laughs) Yeah. Her story's incredible. Yeah. To like keep your wits about you, first of all, trust your gut. Um, I think it's such a, uh scary thing to think about that somebody's in your home i think that's like another thing that we see in your attic we see that in movies but it's kind of rare that somebody ever actually is like in the house like for mm-hmm. two days i mean you th- like that's another kind of classic horror trope like there it's call is coming from inside the house or like yeah the, you yeah. know murderer is someone amongst among us like who is that is that that layer added to this is just something that really really adds another like irky just i agree vomit Uh, i feel like like, i could like vomit (laughs) i wrote that in my notes at the at the end of finishing this last time i researched i wrote at the end don't throw up (laughs) don't get sick (laughs) (laughs) because i felt so sick 
Yeah. I just, I mean, it's, we should cover on another case. I think I have research partially done for this. We should cover the Hinterkaifeck murders. I think that happened in Northern or Southern Germany, like the forties or something. That's a case of someone living inside the house for six months. Like living in the attic and the walls for six months. Someone living in the walls. Mm-mm. We both went. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> no, ma'am. Okay, I, I think I found. Oh, let me see if I can skip a little bit. The Have you yeah. seen I Survived Ever the show? I don't think I have. I of course know what it is. Um, oh, it's it's really it's such a simple format, but it's so well. It's incredible they can find as many people as they can to tell these stories. Because I'm just like. How have you all made it? Like the things they tell, I'm like, yeah. What? What the hell? Oh, this is her. Okay, hold on. My hands were still bound behind my back, and I had on a blindfold. He left me on the bed, and he went and took a shower. While he was taking that shower, and I was lying on the bed, I kept wondering, is there anything I can do? I mean, I, I could only hop. I didn't have my hands. I was blindfolded. I just, I didn't do anything. Isn't that crazy that she can tell this story with that composure? Also, Insane. this is her. Insane. I know her. <laughs> I no, swear you don't to God. Stop. Between that <laughs> accent and that look, I, I am. Oh my God. I, I don't know how somebody would begin to recover from that. I know everyone would say you need extensive therapy. That's like, well, that of goes course. without saying. But like, I, I just don't know how you can ever truly physically and mentally recover from what you experienced on that day. Well, it's it's honestly, I was just thinking this when you said she went in. Uh, she eventually became the director of what was it? Witness and uh, it was um the director of victims and witness. Oh, it was the. Yeah, she was the director of the Witness and Victims Division at the DA's office in Austin. To go into that line of work having experienced this Ugh. is it's it's honestly cuz like when I feel like when you go through something like this, obviously I'm not an expert on this. I don't know, but I think you well, either of course it's all speculation. We're just talking. Yeah. You just like either go into extensive therapy or you kind of like remove yourself from it just mentally like it's a mental block you like wash it or you kind of do what she did which is just like throw yourself even more so into it and like reclaim your power over it which is kind of amazing um no it's it's i don't it's astounding i yeah i almost wonder if she saw this because it is miraculous that she survived if maybe she thought this was her purpose her purpose is to help people who have yeah. been through this situation who have or helped people. So they'd never see themselves in this scenario. And it's, it's terrible because it's so completely unwarranted and it was so random. Like what? A, yes. Why them? They're not, they're not people who would be targeted, who were like, they're not political figures or like people who ha- hold like animosity in the community. She was just a random woman who had a home that someone broke into and she was targeted when, this person was in her attic and they knew that she would be left home alone. And the wildest thing to think about is that had he come in and had that ninja outfit on and basically just said, give me $600, write this, write your name here and whatever, sign this check. She would have done it. She would have done it in two seconds. Yeah. Well, that's, I don't, I don't think he, he wanted just that money. That's the thing. He seemed like an opportunistic killer, which is kind of rare, but this was somewhat premeditated. He had weapons. He took advantage of every dark scenario that he could Mm. of this time that he had with her. That's the horror of this. Yeah. (sighs) I'm sorry. I can tell this landed heavy. Where's the damn ice cream truck? I'm like, it's okay. I've got my glass of Prosecco. I, I was like, Thank I need God. a bomb bomb pop or something. I know. I'm like, I know. Somebody get that damn ice cream chuck to make a Yui. He comes back around at 930 every night. I'll have Does to wait a couple really? hours. Yeah, he comes at like six every single night. He drives. The, he goes through all the neighborhoods. He because <laughs> there are kids like in this neighborhood because it's residential. Yeah. 
he drives through at six and blasts that horn and it's very consistent and then at 9 30 he comes through and blasts the horn and that's like my call where i'm like 9 30 it's time for me to take a shower (laughs) you know wind down maybe read a little bit listen to a podcast if I were a parent, I would be so mad at 9.30. I'd be like, "They're ju- I just put them in bed. <laughs> I just well, I think tucked them in. There's a couple across the way that I think they have a, a new baby. I'm pretty sure. I've seen them with the baby. So I, I can only imagine they're in that boat where they're like, son of a bitch, like every <laughs> night. <sighs> Stu, thank you for yeah. enduring that because that was oh my gosh. one of the heaviest, but had had to go hard for episode 40 yeah it's heavy but whenever we do one of these and i know it's a survival mm-hmm. story i can get through it like i know that it's gonna be it makes it it's better. gonna it be really okay does. yeah yeah <laughs> maybe i should bookend this with um something that's a bit latter to take to give a little <laughs> bit of levity <laughs> i did see on one of our reviews on apple that um a couple of people connected with us talking about like the phones from like 2007, like the LG chocolate and the sidekick and whatnot, they were like, the way that you brought that back to, to my memory, like it flooded back in. Do you know what's so funny? I was listening to a different what? podcast today and they mentioned the LG chocolate and I was like, it was just one of those weird, like syncretic like moments that I was just like, what yeah. in the world? Like, why is this coming up right now? I have thought about Gilly Hicks songs for <laughs> since we recorded last this is so dark, but I'm almost tempted to go on Poshmark.com and look for Gilly Hicks lingerie. <laughs> I just want to see what's available. Would you? I, just, I, I, I think that my, my hands are taking over. <laughs> oh, shoot. Do I have to sign up for it? Whatever. I'll try. I'll just try to sign up. I have Poshmark. I can look. Do you? Yeah. We get there and it's just like my closet is selling them. Are you? Do you sell things at Poshmark? I've sold a couple of things. Like I've sold like some mm. bags that I have and stuff. But the things that people throw up on Poshmark, I'm like, mm. <laughs> I mean, you mean really like some of it's is, trash. Some of it really is like putting up your thongs. I'm like, how is no. anybody thinking that someone's going to pay for this? But I thought that was illegal. Do. I thought you couldn't sell. I thought you couldn't sell underwear, underwear on sites like that unless it had some kind of like. Um, I think this was like an old policy I read about from eBay from like a while ago. You can't sell underwear unless it has like, it has to be considered like an art piece or like an archive piece. Okay. <laughs> like it, it has to be like a, it has to have like some connotation of like fame to it. Well, let me tell you, I see a set of two Gilly Hicks strapless stop, stop. bras going for 20 bucks. Size 30, Only 20 bucks. <laughs> Only 20 bucks. Okay, I just typed in Creepers, Gilly you hear Hicks, that? So. 34B, it's a steal. <laughs> if you're out there and you're looking. Okay. Okay, I'm telling you, new with tags, Gilly Hicks women's lace thong for $9. You're joking. I'm you're not lying. joking. There's a pack of five. If you scroll down further. <laughs> Oh my god! With tags, no. these people have been no. sitting on these Gilly Hicks songs for a decade. <laughs> oh god, that's how long I've been sitting on my thong. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> if you don't think that I'm not buying one of these packs and sending it to you, you're Stop out of your mind right now. <laughs> no, I feel bad because you're like me too. We're like. I know that you're, we're not like minimalist, but we like to keep like a really clean like yeah. place. So I get sent a lot of gag gifts sometimes, which are so funny. I love them. I think they're funny. But at some point I have to get rid of them. <laughs> I'll bleep this out. But when Scott sent me that giant ass, b- <laughs> I was like, this is so good <laughs> funny, but I had to get rid of it. So I had to like, I had to bag it up and like just throw it out somewhere. Cause I was like, I don't want to put this in my trash because what if somebody like, <laughs> like, because like, homeless people dig through trash in LA. And I was like, what are they sifting through it? They just find this. I cannot. Oh, I, I hope he doesn't believe... listen to this episode. Oh my God. <laughs> I, hope I got he rid does. of that. I hope he knows what he did. And He's I'm going to replace it with a Gilly Hicks. Women's lacy, strappy, extra cheeky thong in blue textured. Okay, the craziest it, it's part It's blue about texture. This, blue is a texture now? Okay. Yeah, blue is a texture. I <laughs> I just can't believe, like, when I tell you that the shipping is just as much as the thong, 
I don't I don't understand what goes through people's minds. Like <sighs> Isn't that like a that's like a dirty practice from like Sheen or something or like Wish where they're like they'll mark something for like it's a dollar ninety nine, but then the shipping is yeah. like twenty five ninety nine or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so messed up. I mean, the thing is, if you send me those thongs, baby, I'm going to be wearing them. They're going to get used. I got to see. I got to see. Oh, my God. Do not. Don't send me those thongs for real. Creepers, if you're looking for a Gilly Hicks thong, we're doing a giveaway next month. (laughs) (laughs) This is our brand deal. God. Oh, God. I needed that. I needed a little bit of release after that case. But, Stu, that's what we've got. That is Ellen Halbert, one of the most miraculous survival stories I've ever heard. How would you say, I mean, it's not really fair to compare survival stories, but this gave me the same kind of feeling as the Tika Adams case, whereas like you're on the ride, feels like a movie, but then you're so, so relieved at the end that they're out. It's behind them kind of thing. I mean, and again like just the power of women i'm it's like one of those stories that i'm just holy like, shit. i i am not saying anything about men but i'm just saying i think women can handle so much and like their endurance level is so crazy their pain thresholds are so i'm just amazed truly just i mean even just like the things in the beginning where she's like, my instinct was to get up and fight. Fight this tall ass man in a ninja suit holding a meat cleaver. That was the scariest image to me. It was like the first, the initial like break where she's in the bathroom leaving. Because I think about this all the time because I'm psychotic. Leaving the shower and I'm like, what if somebody was out there? This is that nightmare. You leave yeah. your shower and there's someone standing in the corner like this. Holding a knife? And just to think, I think what would really haunt me later on is to think about, you know, after the press dies down, after I recover, after all that goes away, you're left with the sinking feeling of now I'm imagining this person. What did they hear in my house? I wish that I had, like, you have to, I mean, you just naturally are going to start to replay, like, the days leading up to that event like totally that's really where the mental like warfare i feel like comes in and for her to be able to talk about this so openly and it's just amazing i agree and and also the idea that you could ever get past just going through those mundane everyday tasks that now suddenly feel like they could be a threat like something as simple as like Going about your morning and taking a shower, getting out of the yeah. shower and going across to the closet, falling asleep at night, thinking about who's in your attic, things that never cross your mind until something so real and so horrific like this actually happens. Right. I don't know how you reacclimate your mind to settle from that ever. I don't know if you could ever get over that. I think you it's kind of like grief. Like you just have to you you cope with it like a scar. Yeah. I mean, it's like not to sound totally cheesy, but I mean, what he really robbed her of was her peace and like her, yes. yeah, you know, sa- security, oh. which is just like the worst thing you can go through, really. Um, so, oh, I hope he does not ever get out of prison. <laughs> and um, I, I don't think this oh. is someone who should maybe function in society. <laughs> yeah, no. I was really shocked, actually, in Texas. They didn't seek the death penalty for this. I was very surprised. I suppose because there wasn't an actual murder is what attorneys would argue. So I think if they Uh. went for it, because I don't know if you can seek the death penalty without murder. We should actually look that up because I don't know if that's the case. But Texas is definitely like capital punishment state for sure. It is. Isn't it? Yeah, where you can seek the death penalty. I was thinking definitely when you said that, I was like, okay, yeah, definitely in the 80s, I could see that being a thing. But it seems like so many states are getting rid of it now. I'm wondering um, if it. I guess it's true. Yeah, it has been like on the state by state basis for a long time. But how? let's see how many. There are 27 states total Wow. that, yeah, that seek or have capital punishment as a legal penalty. I just want to look up really quick before we close out if 
someone can seek the death penalty if they haven't killed somebody or someone if a prosecutor can seek that. Do you think Nancy has heard of this case? I don't know if she covers I, survival or if uh, she's just like a true crime girly, but yeah, I feel like she would take such an interest in it. <laughs> I just think when there's like a clear target, that's yeah. what she likes. Like it's, as soon as there's like, I can't do the, I, I won't be able to muster the voice after what we just yeah. went through. It's too much, but I just feel like that's her go-to when there is like a clear monster in the story. She's a hawk. She knows what yep. to fixate on and she Absolutely. just terrorizes and if you layer that, but, um, in the southern woman element, I'm sure mm-hmm. she would launch. <laughs> She's a classic case of the higher the hair, the closer to God. That's right. <laughs> and with that, Creepers, we're going to catch you guys next week on another episode. This has been, I feel oddly relieved, actually, after letting go of telling too. that story. I feel yeah. like I can breathe in a strange way. Yeah, I can breathe. We've had a little bit of reprieve now, and I feel like I can, I can settle into my Tuesday evening and just... <laughs> i'm gonna get like one of those spongebob pops from the ice cream truck yeah just I think like you revert to childhood i really do because this is now the second time i've gone through this story in like 24 hours oh and i think God. i need a cigarette or something yes a cigarette and not an ice cream pop <laughs> a cookie sandwich or something oh that classic american combo <laughs> That's true. And with that, Creepers, we're going to catch you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Creep Time, the podcast. Should we say goodbye? Goodbye, Creepers. Bye, everybody.